BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Hello, hello. Welcome to 30 and a Bit. My name is Pete, and each episode, I try to solve one of the questions you run into after hitting the big 3-0 together with an expert. Today's question is, should I start Botox or fillers? I wish I lived in Melbourne, so today's expert could be my cosmetic doctor. I do a little bit of Botox around my eyes and my frown, and I've always been pretty open about that. I think the taboo uh, around Botox at our age is starting to become less. I loved the expert because she clearly loves her job and is very good at it and can explain everything there is to know about Botox and filler so well. And on top of that, we discuss what you can do to age beautifully without injectables. The facts and figures of today. From 2000 to 2020, the number of annual Botox injections increased by nearly 459%. According to the American Society of Plastic Surgeons, Botox injections have increased 28% since 2010 among the 20 to 29-year-olds. The 40 to 54 age group uses Botox the most. After that, the 55 to 69 age range. Men make up roughly 6% of all Botox procedures. Today's amazing guest is Dr. Nikki Talek. Nikki is a cosmetic doctor and pediatric, pediatric trauma consultant, has her own clinic in Melbourne, but also works in two major hospitals in Melbourne, where she's busy working on some of the sickest children in Melbourne and has over 15 years of experience. Nikki is 40 years old and has five children. Welcome, Nikki. Thank you. I sound, that sounds like I need to run away from my own life. <laughs> not at all I'm so impressed I, don't, I have no idea how you do it all but I want to get into that um so you're just one year out of your 30s and my first question is always how were your 30s look probably some of the best times of my life for sure 
an area where I was developing my career, but also starting a young family. So, um, yeah, look, definitely survived my 30s. Um, And, yeah, look, it's been lots of planning, but I think it's a time when you can just achieve so much and you can be at the top of your game, but a time to future plan for your 40s and your 50s. And How are you looking at your 40s? Are you excited? So excited. I still feel like I'm in my 30s. I think that the hard work that I've done in my 30s has given me opportunities to do lots of things with my career and my business. So Amazing. Well, just with what I explained, you've got your clinic, you work at two hospitals and you have five children. How do you do it all? Um, I'll tell you a little bit about why I started the business. So I um, went to med school in the UK and I think I always wanted to work with children. That's what I wanted to do. I had a passion for it and um, that's how I got into pediatric medicine. When I moved over to Melbourne, I got into emergency medicine and trauma and that was amazing. It was like a 10-year program and you come out of that 10 years and you're you know super good at what you do. You get trained in multiple different faculties and intensive care and lots of different um, specialties that you see in that program. But as I said, in my 30s, I also started having my children. I think that weighing up motherhood and being amazing at my career, it was it was really difficult. It was challenging and working in trauma means there's no set hours. So often, you know, you're doing four or five days a week of 10 hours or 12 hours. And as I got into my mid 30s, I was taking a lot of it home. I think a lot of it because it's trauma and you see lots and lots of sick kids. If you, as you said, you know, kids who've got lung and liver transplants or they've been in car accidents and I wasn't switching off from that as easy as I was in my late 20s and my early 30s. And I thought, oh God, I've just got to do something different. I'm a mum now and I also want to be present as a, as a parent. So um, I had been having a bit of Botox myself and I thought, oh, wow, you know, I could actually be really good at this. So I went into some more training. So, you know, despite doing 10 years of training for trauma, I said to my husband, I think, (laughs) yeah, he was like, what do you mean? You want to go and study again? What's wrong with you? But um, I think you need something else. You know, I think as a woman, as a mother, you can't do it all and you also need to find time for yourself. So that's where I got into it. I went into the course and I loved it. And slowly over the last five or six years, I've built up to have my own clinic. And how do you combine your busy family with all of these other things you've got going on? Um, look, it's a challenge and I think that I'm still working on it, but at the end of the day, like me and my husband, we get to the Friday nights and we're like, Oh, that's like, you know, 50 lunch boxes and morning teas we've made this week. Um, and obviously, you, you know, that's five people that we need to feed and make sure they're happy and healthy and, you know, get them to school on the right day with the right uniform. Um, and at the end of the day, Pete, it just comes down to organization. So I've had to give up a few things. So I definitely don't watch TV in the evenings, which is really sad. Um, But yeah, Sunday to Friday, I don't really watch a lot of TV. But in the evenings is my time when I get a lot of stuff done. But also now as a small business owner and as a mum, I do a lot of my admin at that time of the day as well. So yeah, unfortunately, it's not, it's probably not the most fun thing that anyone wants to hear, but that time between kind of eight and 10.30 or 11 is when I do a lot of my work. So I'll prep for the kids the next day, but I'll also do admin for my business because I don't have a whole team behind me running my business for me. Um, I've got a couple Mm -hmm. of people who are amazing on my team, but yeah, most of it comes down to me. So yeah, that's what I do. I do use, I don't spend as much time on myself, which is not good and needs to change. (laughs) So impressive. Thank you. All right, let's jump in. We're going to talk about Botox and fillers. And I would also love to talk about what you can do to not age or age pretty without using injectables. So I'll finish off with that. First of all, what is Botox made of? 
Okay, so Botox has actually been around in medicine for several years and it is made from a bacterium. So it's called Clostridium botulinum and it is a bacterium that's been purified into a protein. So um, we now use that quite safely in medicine. Actually, a lot of the safety data for Botox comes from children and medicine where we've used it for medical reasons. Um, And, you know, it's actually exploded out into the cosmetic industry world. So, you know, worldwide, we know globally these treatments are on the rise and it works as a muscle relaxant. So it wasn't initially uh, invented for cosmetic use. No. So it was actually in the person who discovered it in the 70s was actually a doctor who was trialing it for a completely different reason. So he was an eye specialist. And what he was looking at was he had a patient who just had really difficult to treat symptoms. I think they had double vision and he tried like lots of different surgeries and then went on to thinking, oh, you know, the eye is just not made up of the eye itself. It's got lots of muscles around it and maybe kind of supporting those muscles would help. And he injected really low doses. So, you know, um, it's all, it was almost an experimental treatment at that time. And then what they found was they started expanding that out to patients who've got migraines. So anywhere you've got muscle tension or your muscles are overworking, you could, you could use Botox. Um, so in medicine, we use it for migraines and they use it a lot in the eye for eye patients who are quite unwell with blepharospasms and overactive muscles. And then what they noticed with those patients, with the migraine patients would be coming in saying, oh, look, you know, my forehead looks amazing now since I've had my my migraine treatment and then you know we've now expanded it out to all of the uses that we use it in cosmetic medicine when you inject it for cosmetic reasons how long does it take for results to be fully visible um so where i am in australia there's a couple of different brands of botox um so when we say botox botox is um you know covers the actual core ingredient, but there's lots of different brands. So in Australia, there's two main brands that we use. Um, If you're using original Botox, it probably takes about seven to 10 days before the patient starts to notice anything. So if you're a new patient coming in, I'll say you're definitely not going to wake up tomorrow and have no wrinkles. It's definitely, you know, a seven to 10 day process. Um, But after that, um, it kicks in and it is at its peak for a good few months. Does the brand matter a lot? If you go to a clinic in a different country, like me going to mine in Amsterdam, should I ask what brand they're using or it doesn't really matter? Look, I think that we're living in an era where, you know, there's, we have access to Google and there's lots and lots of information out there. So I think for my patients, I always tell them my preference is Botox. This is why I like to use it. It's the original brand. There's lots of safety data behind it. And I'm not saying the other ones are not safe at all. It's just that that's the one that I trained in. And I feel really comfortable with and My patients have great results with that brand, but a lot of other patients will say, oh, I've used, you know, brand B. What do you think about that? And I said, look, it's the same core ingredient. It's just packaged differently or it's formulated slightly differently. So I don't know how long it's going to last, but I'm um, open to that idea. Also, there's, um, you know, issues, I think, long-term, if you just use the same brand over and over again, it's kind of like antibiotic resistance. If you just kept using antibiotics all the time because you wanted to prevent an illness or you weren't, you know, you had a viral illness and it wasn't going to get better. We do worry long-term that patients who use the same drug over and over again, your body kind of just has a memory and doesn't really react to it as well or stops reacting to it as well. So I think that, you know, if you are going to start Botox and you're going somewhere, it's always really nice to know because say um, you had an allergy to brand A, it would be, and you know, that means, that doesn't mean that you have to stop taking the treatments. It just means that you might have to do another treatment. And what I would do in that case is try brand B, but maybe just a patch test on the patient's arm, just to make sure that it's not all types of Botox that they're allergic to. So yeah, I think we're, we've, we've smartened up as, you know, 
women and men in our 30s and 40s. Um, and you have the rights to ask those questions. And I do volunteer that information to my patients because I want them to be educated about what they're having done. How long do you think you can go with one brand of Botox then? Look, I would say every 10 years, it's worth kind of switching it up. And I think a lot of my patients I've followed over the last six or seven years, and there are some that had obviously started doing Botox before I was doing the treatment. Um, and then I might switch it up. So I do, I do actually stock a couple of other brands, and I think that's totally fine. Um, but yes, I do say that some of my patients who've been having Botox for 10 years might say, oh, you know, when I had it when I was 40, it just lasted great. It looked great. And now I just it's just not lasting as long or it doesn't, it, I don't get as great an effect, but also they have aged over 10 years, you know, <laughs> do you know what I mean? So that's different. You know, they now have, you know, you still got volume loss and you've got loss of elastin and collagen. So you're probably not going to get that. You're not going to look like you're 40 every time you do your Botox. Unfortunately. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you're saying the results can last uh, a couple months. What is that window and what does it depend on? Is it how often you sweat in like sauna or workout? Like how can you make it last longer? Yeah. Million dollar question. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I say to all of my patients between zero and two weeks, you might not see anything at all. It's slow, your muscles slowly starting to get relaxed and it takes that long to get an effect. But between two and eight weeks, you should be pretty blocked out. So you shouldn't be able to frown as much. You should have less lines. Um, and then at somewhere between eight and 10 weeks, the movement will slowly start to come back. Um, and so by the time I see them at like, you know, 12 to 14 weeks, they should have full movement back. But it's very dependent on different things. So I see some women who, um, so anything basically that increases your heart rate is going to break the Botox down quicker. So if you're someone who's got a lot of anxiety or you're someone who smokes or you're someone who exercises every day and you're sweating and you're working out, you will find that you metabolize the Botox a lot quicker. And I certainly don't do your treat. I wouldn't do a treatment at like eight weeks just for that patient. I say, look, it's totally fine to have some lines. You're going to be doing this treatment for the next 20 or 30 years. So we still, I would still pace it out. Um, yeah, but everyone is different. And also I found like post-pandemic, a lot of people's metabolism has changed because like none of us were exercising as much as we would. And we're eating like slightly different diets. We're not, we didn't have those regular routines. So initially when people were coming out of the pandemic, the Botox was lasting quite different to what it was normally. Oh, that's really fascinating too. Hmm. I wonder if that's going to change back at some point again, as we're really getting back into our old routines. I think it is slowly. What age do you think people should start using Botox to kind of as preventative care? Look, so Bo it's a really good question. I think it's a, it's a tricky one because everybody is so different. So I would say that I meet people who are like early 40s, my age, and I think, wow, you look amazing. You don't even need any Botox. And that is due to so many different things, right? So it's due to our genetics. It's due to your age. But it's a lot of it is due to how you take care of yourself. So if you're someone who is stressed and you're anxious and you're always frowning or you're using your facial expression muscles a lot – or you're, you know, you live in a country where you've got an intense sun, you know, sun intensity and you're not using SPF. So there's lots of things that contribute to how you age. So I would say most of my patients would start in their early thirties. Um, but again, um, I'm sure you know this, but I'm very much the minimalist. So I found that, you know, when I came into this industry, um, the gap in the market was, um, that I just wanted to make people look, feel, look and feel better about themselves, but still keep them looking really natural. So I'm really not someone who freezes your face every three months it's I just think as a doctor like it's always nice to have some movement and as a mum 
I certainly want my kids to know when I'm angry. So I, you know, <laughs> think it's still fine to have a bit of movement. And also like, you know, if you started doing your treatments now, you might be doing them for another 30 or 40 years. So I think it's really important to, you know, think about the cumulative effect of what your results are going to look like. I think that's really interesting what you say about the cumulative effect, because I feel like sometimes when people have been doing it for years and years and quite heavily, I often think they look older than their mm. actual actual mm. age. Mm. And you know what? They, they probably actually do. So what, so what actually happens is if you think about, so I might see people in their thirties who just want to be frozen all the time, but essentially your muscle has to move, you know, it's got a function. Um, and the problem with doing these really high doses of Botox because you want to be frozen is that your muscle becomes inactive. So if you do that over 10 years or 15 years, what actually happens is like if you fell over and you, you hurt your shoulder and you don't use it for like a few months, you know, you're just not really exercising it. Your muscle actually shrinks in size. So what happens with this treatment, if you do it way too much and very high doses, is that your muscle actually goes under, undergoes atrophy. So it shrinks. You don't, you don't have the fat pad there. So you might see people in their 50s and 60s who've got these re really thin muscles on their forehead. You can see all the little capillaries and their vessels, and it's because they've just had way too much Botox over, over years. And you're right, they probably do look older because they don't have that beautiful thick skin and you can see everything. Their skin becomes translucent. So really important to just keep a track on how often you do the treatments. What are some risks? Look, so actually Botox is quite a minimally invasive treatment. And as I said, with my pediatric background, we use it in children all the time who've got like cerebral palsy or neuromuscular diseases. Anywhere you've got tight muscles, we use it in really big doses. So a lot of the safety around this treatment comes from children and medical science. Um, on the day when you're getting your treatment, obviously it's a small needle that goes into your skin. So there's always a chance of like bleeding, bruising. Um, it is a little bit, it's a, a bit painful, but you know, pain is so subjective. Some people find it quite painful. A lot of people find it very tolerable procedure. Um, but yeah, bleeding, bruising and infection are probably the biggest risk. As I said, it is a drug. So there's a small chance that you could have an allergy. I've done thousands of treatments and I have to say that I haven't really seen it yet. Touch wood. Um, but long term, there isn't, there aren't a lot of risks. And I think the important thing is to go to a doctor or a health professional who's got a good understanding of anatomy. Because if you end up putting the product into a muscle that's next to your eyelids or your eyebrows, there is always a small chance that you can end up with just really droopy eyelids um, or just heaviness. So if it ends up in a muscle that it's not supposed to be, that muscle is going to be paralyzed as well. And, you know, we've already spoken that the normal history of the drug is that it should last you a good eight to 10 weeks. So walking around with droopy eyelids is not a good look for anyone. That's a, yeah, I see that sometimes. A friend of mine had it too, where just one of her eyes became droopy and then <sighs> you're really upset for a couple of weeks. Yes. And it's worse for the first kind of two to four weeks, but then as the Botox wears out, it will slowly get better. But I suppose for that person who's walking around with one eye half closed, like four weeks is a long time, right? <laughs> Thank God it does go back to normal, but yeah, it's tricky. It is. And then another maybe million dollar question. Once you begin, can you stop? Look, totally. Um, I see a lot of new patients weekly and they always say, oh God, you know, I didn't want to start because I was so worried about getting addicted to these treatments. But I think that that's where your job as a good doctor or nurse comes in play, because my job is to make sure that my patients are on track. Like sometimes they'll do a sneaky on me and like 
move their appointments like four weeks ahead. And I'll be like, oh, just call so-and-so because they're not technically due for another four weeks. And it could be something simple like they go, they've got a wedding or they're going on holiday and that's totally fine to do. But it's really important to watch the spaces on these treatments. And like, you know, it's completely fine if you have a few wrinkles for a bit, you know, you've had them for 30 years. So having them for a few weeks in between your treatments is totally fine. Um, also, like, you know, I think that what happens is people always feel so good when they look at themselves. I often don't get time for my Botox despite being in this industry. I probably only get my Botox like two or three times a year. But at the two-week mark, I'm like, oh, I feel like I've had like major facelift surgery because it just, it feels so good. Um, and obviously, you know, it's always easy to get addicted to stuff that makes you feel good. But a good doctor or nurse will guide you. So a lot of my patients will have their treatments out till December now. You mentioned earlier that having a doctor that knows a lot about anatomy and one that res- uses respect- respectable amounts of Botox is really important. How do you make sure that's, that you're seeing someone who's a legit cosmetic doctor? At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. It's a really hard question. So globally, unfortunately, I talked to you about this before, about my pediatric training. So when I became a trauma physician, I had to do 10 years of training. There was a series of examinations and hoops that I had to get through so that now when I'm at a children's hospital and any patient walks in with whatever illness, it could be they've got a piece of Lego in their nose or they've you know been hit in the face with a cricket ball, I know how to deal with all of those things competently. Unfortunately, in this industry, there aren't any governing bodies for that that say that you've got to be, you know, you have to have done thousand hours of training before you are competent. So it allows us, it allows lots of people to get into the industry with very limited experience. I think that what's really important is to do your research, find out who you're going to see, check out their reviews. Um, I think word of mouth is really important, which is a tricky one because obviously nobody ever talks to like, you know, a lot of patients in their, maybe not so much thirties, but definitely forties, fifties. They don't like to tell their friends that they've had treatments done. So um always go to someone that's recommended by you and like check out this like instagram their social media um and get a vibe for who you think they are because i think that that's so important i think you want to follow someone who's got a natural aesthetic to what what you think is beautiful so you know often i'll go to conferences and i'll see a lot of overfilled injectors and that's because you know we've got easy access to products or um you know we lose track of our natural beauty and our what's individual about ourselves so it's really important to do your research Let's jump into the people that you see uh, most often. What is their main reason for coming? Is it because they're insecure or scared to look old or maybe because they just see a lot of people around them using it? Um, A lot of people in their 30s, I think, will just say, oh, you know, I've seen myself on Zoom and I just don't like it. 
They'll say, I'm fanning. I've never had those lines before. So commonest area to treat definitely is your fan muscle here. So in your 30s, I think it's probably my commonest treatment. You've got those little 11s. People, you don't want to seem like you're looking angry or you know, fanning at people all the time. So that's probably the commonest treatment. But most of the time, it's just because they want to, they just want to get rid of the lines. They feel like they're looking really tired. Um, I don't often sense that it is insecurity. I think sometimes people just want to do something that's nice for themselves. And it's become such a normal thing now that there's less stigma associated with it. So it has become an acceptable part of our beauty regime. But the nice thing about these treatments is that small treatments, like even if you just got your frown done and you've gone from kind of having like a worried expression on your face to just looking like more approachable and happier, that makes people just feel so much better about themselves. I do my frown as well because when I concentrate, I like push them together and I was like, I need to get ahead of this. So in my case, it's more preventative (laughs) as well. (laughs) Yeah. Also, a lot of my patients will, um, you know, they often look like one parent more than the other. So I feel like women in their 30s will say, oh, you know, my mum's got these really deep lines on her forehead and I'm just worried that we know we look quite similar. So they do start preventative treatments. I always say for me, preventative treatments need to be done at a minimum of twice a year. Like I really, I don't want to push like you need to be here every three months because it's never that bad when you're in your late 20s and early 30s. And because I think that, you know, they're going to be doing these treatments for a while. I think even just doing it, you know, couple of times a year would make a huge difference long-term as to how you age. That's interesting. I actually moved mine, my appointment, because I felt like the effects were still very much visible, but maybe I should go in just much less regular intervals. Yeah, you should. Because I think that sometimes when you're young and you suddenly block the muscle, you just suddenly just, your brain switches off the ability to frown. So you might find that the product just lasts longer and longer. Uh, I'd say a lot of my 30-year-olds I probably just see twice a year. I feel like around me, people have opened up a little bit more about it. Maybe that's also because I'm very open about it. Um, Do you feel like it's less of a taboo than it was before? I think that social media has changed a lot. I think people are smarter. People are wiser. They want to know what they're having done. There's so many different options now. So we are talking about it. And even if we're not talking about it, it's on our feed. So you can't escape it. Um, people are getting smarter about skin treatments. So I think definitely age has got a big thing to do with it. So I reckon 20s, 30s, 40s, like a lot of my patients will be filming themselves as they come in the door. Um, and they're happy to be on social media and they're happy to be filmed. Whereas I still feel my patients in my kind of mid to late 40s onwards, they, you know, baseball caps, sunglasses, they don't want anyone to know that they've been in the clinic. It's still, it is a still a taboo, you know, it's almost like they don't want to be perceived as being vain because they're taking some time out to do something for themselves. And obviously, because it is something that's improving your appearance or kind of reducing the signs of aging, they do feel a bit conscious about it. So I really just think it's about age. But it's funny though, because I've got a regular patient of mine who's in her 50s and she said, oh, your Instagram is all just full of young, beautiful women. Like you need to have people in your 50s on your Instagram feed. And I said, I totally agree. Would you like to be filmed today? And she was like, oh gosh, not me. <laughs> I was like, not you, but like, where am I going to find these 50 year olds who are happy to be on social media? <laughs> so maybe in the next five or 10 years, hopefully things will change and, you know, it will be more talked about. Because I think the more we're open about it, the more you are going to be recommended to a good injector, a good doctor, you're less likely to run into problems. It's about safety as well. Because I think if you were the only person in your friend group getting it done, you might not know where to go. Well, you might walk into a shopping center and just get it done on a whim because you're turning 30 the next week and you just wanted to get it done. So yeah, hopefully things will start to change slowly. 
Um, I'm very curious. I bet that a couple of years ago, maybe 10 years ago, a lot of people would come up with a photo of Kylie Jenner that this is the kind of lip that they wanted with the fillers. Do you see this? A lot of people coming in with a photo being like, this is what I want to look like. All the and time. who is it? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the lips are Kylie Jenner. Oh, still? A lot of the lips, still. Um, I think because they're just like, they've got a beautiful shape. They've got nice volume, you know, I think that she's been kind of tagged as this idealistic person for lips that, you know, it's something that we aspire to. But what's really interesting is that we have, there are so many different lip shapes and sizes that for some patients, it's almost an unachievable target. So a lot of my time with lip filler patients or fillers in general, it just comes down to really educating your patient on what's normal, what's not, and you know, how adding too much filler can lead to migration and long-term, longer-term complications. And you know, um, what, what is currently in trend or what's on social media is never going to suit everyone. And I think that's your role as a doctor. You know, I think the sad thing about dermal fillers in this industry is that every single person knows a friend or someone who they work with who just no longer looks normal. And that is because they've been overfilled or they've had the wrong filler or something that's thick or thin or they've simply just had too many treatments over a short time. So I think your doctor, my, my role as your doctor is to just make sure that I am comfortable to say that you just don't need a treatment or I think you look really good right now and just be honest. And maybe even work on a mental, was on like the mental part of it, of knowing that you're beautiful instead of trying to fix it on the outside. Totally. Totally. And I always highlight, like, you've got beautiful eyes, like, let's pay more attention to these. Like, have you thought about this? Like, sometimes I'll just offer treatments that they might not even have thought about. And they often love it, you know, because I think that definitely in my younger age group, I'm not someone who sells like packages or you need like two or three meals. Like, I don't want to kind of coerce my patients into just getting a treatment because it's on special or because it's a package. I want them to just have a treatment that I think is going to actually make them look better. Um, so yeah, it's just about redefining those norms and just being more confident in ourselves on, you know, what, what is beautiful and that individuality is totally, is actually beautiful as well. I love that. You mentioned earlier as well about the trends and that Kylie is still very popular. I think also at one point the cat eye and fox eye were very popular. Maybe they still are. Do you see other trends coming up? Look, I actually looked up the definition of a trend because I was like, oh, you know, what does that actually mean? So, it just, so, you know, a definition of a trend is basically just something that's currently in fashion now or everybody's doing it. Um, so, yeah, definitely fox eye. Look, the other one to throw into that basket is like the Russian lips. Um, I'm not sure if you've seen on social media, there's ones that, you know, they do a lot of taping afterwards. So your lips are like all covered in tape afterwards. Um, so there's lots of kind of odd trends at the moment. Um, I think the concern for me about those trends is that because it is, you know, haven't really been around for long enough that we don't really know what the long-term effect is. I would not be surprised in like five years time if, if we're like, oh, you know, people who had the fox eye lift um, trend, like their skin's like breaking down in that area. It's like your skin is so fragile, around, especially around your eye area. So it's not a treatment that I offer. And it does concern me because I think that A, it doesn't suit everyone a lot of the time, nobody looks like that, you know, nobody, well, a fox looks like that or a cat looks like that, but maybe humans are not supposed to look like that. Um, so yeah, look, I definitely think be weary of trends. Like sometimes it could just be that a product is in trend, which is fine. It's not going to cause you long-term damage, but when it's actually a treatment, I would say, think about it, think about it, go to someone who's done it lots and lots of times and they've got, you know, good safety record and you should be in good hands. 
Let's jump to fillers. What is the difference between Botox and fillers? Look, good question. It's, they're actually very, very different treatments. So Botox, as we said at the start, is a muscle relaxant. It's only going to work on the muscle and it works by just reducing that crinkling effect of the muscle. So if you think of like a paper bag, not that your skin is a paper bag, but someone comes into you and they want their, their wrinkles improved. The, um, your skin, like is, if you've just got repeated movements, the Botox works on just relaxing that paper bag or the muscle and stops the fine lines and wrinkles. But sometimes what happens is the skin is so crinkled. So say if you were in your 50s or 60s, you lived in a really hot country, you haven't really been doing any SPF, you've got UV sun damage, you're smoking, um, your skin is so crinkled that it doesn't matter how much Botox you put in there, it's not going to really make a big difference because the skin already has those lines at rest. So what you would then need is something that's going to volumize. So it's kind of would be like putting a little sandwich in the bag and making it look better. So it still doesn't get rid of all the wrinkles, but it, it plumps your skin out. So a filler is made from gel. So it's a hyaluronic acid gel that's been synthesized into a protein. We know that it's super safe, but its role is basically for volumization. So in cosmetic medicine, we use it for two things. We use it for beautification. So young people who want their lips or their jawline or their chin augmented, that really is just for beauty. Um, but in the older patient where you've got volume loss, so if you see someone in their 50s or 60s where they've got like, you know, shadowing under their eyes or hollowing in their cheeks, you can use it as a like a reparative treatment. So it is to fill volume loss. So it does its job. It's a filler. Right. As opposed to Botox, you can dissolve fillers, right? Yes. So thank God. So because it is made of hyaluronic acid, we have an enzyme um, that is called hyaluronidase. I'm not sure if that's what it's called in Amsterdam, but that's um, what it is basically worldwide um, that essentially will break the hyaluronic acid down. So it's great. Everyone should have it or, or experienced cosmetic injectors or anyone who's injecting fillers has it on site. It's ready to go. So if you ever had a problem, we can take it out. But the people who actually look slightly odd or if they've had over like, you know they're puffy or they're filled out people who um look dysmorphic essentially is because they have generally had too much filler it's not the botox that generally causes the problem and how long can you see the results of fillers look often on the day you will look amazing because it swells up and you've got um you know it plumps out your skin but essentially that can just be a lot of inflammation from the needles going into your skin and um, the product itself is hydrophilic so it's attracted to water so it takes a good couple of weeks before you see the best results and unlike botox it should last you much longer than that so for most of our patients it should last them anywhere between six months to 18 months oh that's a lot longer than botox Okay, so we've talked about Botox and fillers, both are injectables, and I would also love to talk about other options of making yourself more beautiful or age beautifully without many wrinkles, and how can you do that without using injectables? Um, there are a variety of different things. I think that as a cosmetic doctor, I'm always talking to my patients about their skin, because it doesn't matter how much Botox or fillers you have, if you've got like acne scarring or pigment those are really important because like good medical grade skincare with active ingredients will definitely help brighten your skin, give you that glow, make your skin feel more hydrated. So it's really important at home that you are doing those things because you might just see your cosmetic doctor three times a year. 
that's not going to fix all of your skin problems. The other thing that's really important is just energy-based devices. So um, in Australia, we've got lots of amazing lasers that work on skin tightening and lifting your skin, which are not injectables at all. So they don't cut your skin. Um, they are quite a costly treatment. I would say that a lot of them range from kind of $2,000 to $4,000. Um, sometimes it's just a series of one treatment or you might need two treatments, but they would last you a good couple of years. So for someone who doesn't want to do injectables, but they're thinking that, you know, maybe when they're 50, they might get a facelift it's a good kind of temporizing option because you're you know not putting anything into your skin but you're working on energy so you're working on heat therapy um, or ultrasound to, to give you some lifting and then in Australia, we also have lots of collagen boosting treatments. So it is actually a needle, but it's not a toxin and it's not um, hyaluronic acid, but they work on all the four types of collagen that we've got on our skin and they work on kind of repairing and rejuvenating collagen. So they work on collagen stimulation, elastin, which is really good for tightening your skin and skin laxity. Yeah, I did this. I did the collagen um, laser, I guess that's what I would call it. Um in preparations for my wedding where I would have the laser and I think it like promotes your skin to create more collagen itself. So it's, it's put to work basically. And I really like that. And it's, as opposed to needling, um, you were fine. Like two days later, your skin wasn't yeah. super red. It wasn't open. And like, you know, I think that sometimes just making your skin look better already makes people feel better. You know, they feel refreshed. They don't feel like, like dull or tired, and a lot of the lasers can actually help with fine lines and wrinkles anyway because they're working on skin resurfacing. So they are great options to look into if you're not quite ready for injectables. My final question uh, at, every, at the end of every episode is if you could give the listeners one takeaway, what would it be? No, I think in this industry, um, the biggest thing for me is just to do your research. Find out where you're going. Make sure that you're going to someone who's got lots of experience, who also is good at not only just giving you a result, but managing complications. Um, make sure that you go to someone who um, is well-trained and they've been accredited with training because we have so many different options now. And a lot of patients that come and see me, they don't even know if they've seen a doctor or a nurse before. Like, Educate yourself. We've got access to so many different resources that you can just be on top of who you're seeing, what products you're using. And I think the biggest thing for me, I always remember that, you know, the difference between looking beautiful and overdone is literally just a few millimeters, right? So if someone just has two or three extra treatments, it just pushes them over the edge. And that's when you kind of worry that they've just gone over. So you need somebody who is happy to say no to your treatments. That's, that's what I think is so important. And a lot of my new patients will, I'll say, you know, I don't want to offend them. If I think that they're overdone, I don't want to say, oh my God, I don't think you need any more treatment, but I'll say, look, I think you look really good like right now. So we're just going to wait for six to nine months. And like often they will build back in at six to nine months. I mean, they might be disappointed on the day because they were hoping to get something done. But I think my job is to make a difference and to just bring natural back in fashion. The way that your doctor looks probably also says a lot because you're very naturally looking and you're beautiful. You. If you, you have someone with huge lips and the tightest forehead, that might also be a bit of a red flag if that's not what you want. Yes. I think always be guided by your injector. It's funny that you say that because I, um, I don't have a lot. I don't have any filler in my lips because I genetically was quite lucky with these ones. But I, sometimes I have a few patients who are like, oh my God, don't give me your lips. <laughs> So they're the ones who want like supernatural. And I'm like, oh, I can't even dissolve mine out. 
I actually was, I was sort of staring at your lips earlier, but I was like, no, they've got to be natural because they're super, um, they're in good proportions with Uh, the rest of your face. It's like, no, they've got to be natural. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I think the other thing that's important with filler, one of the things is that there's so many different types of filler. So there's really soft fillers that are really good for areas that move. So if you're talking and you, you know, you've got your little smokers lines, definitely go with a softer filler because that's going to look much more natural. Whereas in some areas where you're not moving, like your cheeks and your jawline, it's fine to have those thicker fillers. But we do run into more issues with swelling and kind of, um, you know, overfilling with the, the products that are thicker. So just be, be wary of that. That's a really good um, tip as well. Is there anything else I forgot to ask that you think is worth sharing? Um, I think that the, one of the things that I've really found over the last few years is that social media has played such a huge um, role in what we accept as normal. And I think one of the things I'd love um, everyone to be mindful of is that a lot of the images that you see on social media are just not even the real person or they're heavily filtered. So when just be mindful of that, because sometimes you'll look at someone, uh, someone will bring me a photo of a before and after of their lip and it will be like the patient's got like no skin. Their skin is like, like wallpaper white. I'm like, nobody's skin looks like that. So just be wary of where you're setting your goals, because a lot of the time that person does not even look like that. And so it doesn't like, you know, sometimes I think we can make ourselves feel more insecure about ourselves, but perfect is not really achievable. And you know, as we said about the trends, just go with what is individual and what looks good on you. So yeah, just be like social media is a great tool, but also just be wary of, you know, what is going to suit your own features and be guided by your injector. So if they say no to a treatment, they actually have nothing to gain by telling you that, right? Because they're trying to run a small business at the end of the day. (laughs) So if your injector is saying, I think you look great, I don't think you need this treatment, I would just take it as a compliment. (laughs) <laughs> and not go like searching for someone else desperately. Yeah, don't go to the shopping center and go and get your your lips done somewhere else. <laughs> Perfect last tip. Thank you so much. I really, really love talking to you. Thanks, Pete. You're uh, thanks for having me on. I really enjoyed it. And yeah, I'll hopefully speak to you soon. So if you're in Melbourne looking for an amazing doctor, um, go to Nikki. You can follow her at Dr. Fresh Clinic on Instagram.